Welcome to Sparks of History. Joining us today is Professor Stephen Ross, Professor of History at the University of Southern California and the Myron and Marion Kasdan Director of the Kasdan Institute for the Study of the Jewish World in American Life. Professor Ross is also the author of Hitler in Los Angeles, How Jews Foiled Nazi Plots Against Hollywood and America. Uh, thank you, Professor Ross, for being with us today. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me, Ari. We're just going to throw out a, a bunch of questions and we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, professor at, at a American university on the West Coast, what's your take on the alarming rise of anti-Semitism today in, in, in America, specifically on the college campuses? And are you seeing that your students are afraid of being on the campuses today? Well, those are, we have quite a few questions there to unpack. Um, yes, this is the first time in my 44 years at USC that I've had students say to me they're afraid of um, potential violence against them. There hasn't been any at USC, but we have we have seen certainly a spike in anti-Semitism around the country. What I would say is it's always been here. It isn't that, um, wow, aren't we shocked at anti-Semitism? It's just there are certain moments when it's allowed to come to the surface more than other moments. And here we have what seems to be um, on college campuses, students always like David and Goliath stories, and they always like to see David beat Goliath. In most instances, Israel has been the Davids of history. And yet at this moment, they're seen as the Goliaths. And there's a lack of, what should I say, um, real knowledge about the situation in the Middle East, that um, what is going on now is a tragedy for everyone, I think, period. But to simply start without now condemnations of Israel, which is what most papers have done, the, the resumption of violence that we've seen, the ending of the truce, the papers basically talked about Israel simply ending the truce and going in to bomb, uh, you know, southern portions of Gaza with very little mentioned about how Hamas was trying to provoke an end to the um, pause by firing rockets on Israel. And I, I am sorry, in any nation at any point in time, we go back to Locke and Hobbes and the sort of theories of state formation the first goal of a state, um, to be a legitimate state, a state has to protect the lives of its citizens. And what we've seen on college campuses is a move towards great sympathy towards the Palestinian people, which I certainly understand. You know, there's much suffering going on right now, unnecessary in many ways. And yet what people don't understand is the root causes of this the failure of an administration within Gaza to protect its own people. That government, Hamas, has failed to be a legitimate government because it has not protected its own people. It has, in fact, put its own people at risk. And I think there are many people on university campuses who simply don't understand this, who also don't understand, um, as somebody said to me the other day, you know, what are the pronouns for LGBTQ people in Gaza, and the answer is was and was um, was it were and was and were, 
you are not going to survive. We are not looking at this picture in a fully formed way. And that's what disturbs me more than anything else. We're not getting a full, how should I put it, a fully considered um, analysis of what is going on right now. And also at the core of all this, this is uh, Iran, as we, I think many of us feel, is behind all this because they wanted to break up the possibility of a Middle Eastern peace, particularly between Israel and Saudi Arabia. So I believe everything is distorted on campuses. The reason has often disappeared. Um, fortunately, on my campus, there has been mainly, there have been protests on both sides, but they have been uh, respectful. Uh, the rules at USC is you can, there is free speech up to the point of uh, you are no longer <clears throat> engaged in free speech when you call for death or harm to another person. That is the point at which we stop on our campus, at least. And, and in your specific departments in, in the institute, in the Kazan Institute, is what are the students saying? You're saying some of them are, are, are afraid. What's the next step? I mean, is, is there a dialogue happening or, or is, is, it the, is it the professors that, that, that are leading the dialogue? Are they, are they on both sides? Is the administration doing enough? It sounds like they are, at least in, in USC. Other administrations, presidents have come under you know, severe criticism by both sides, actually. Yeah, well, we just a number of Jewish faculty in Hillel. I'm at the on the board of uh, Hillel, USC Hillel. Uh, a bunch of us met with Carol Folt, our president, and a, a members of her team last week to simply review everything. Um, <clears throat> and I, I would say they have been sympathetic to trying to create a campus in which both sides can talk about issues without engaging in any violence. I do think um, I organized two teach-ins in the past, one after 9-11 and one after the invasion of uh, Baghdad, after we started the bombing there. And I'd been asked, what, what do I think about uh, doing a teach-in right now? And I think it is not the right time, to be honest. I think everyone's feelings are so frayed, it would be um, very difficult to hold a open meeting where people are calm and reasoned. On the other hand, <clears throat> I have partnered, I being the Kazan Institute, has partnered with my colleagues at UCLA and at Tel Aviv University. We have been running a series. We've run the first one um, <clears throat> looking at uh, basically generational change in Israel and Palestine. And uh, we are uh, bringing together people who are basically for ne it's called next generation. It's going to be a series of three panels with, with uh, American is uh, American Jews, Israeli Jews, uh, Palestinians, Muslims, evangelicals. The conceit is people 40 and under who will at some point assume leadership roles. What can we do to get out of this? We want to start a conversation amongst people who may disagree about everything except one thing, they want peace. Whether it's one state, two state, whatever it is, they want a peace process. So those are the kinds of conversations that I think actually can be meaningful, where you get younger leaders on both sides, on all sides, talking about how do we move towards a more equitable future.
Is it even possible? In in uh, Hitler in Los Angeles, obviously you chronicled um, the efforts of individual Jews vis-a-vis um, -vis Nazi influence in, in Hollywood in the United States. You, you chronicled and, and wrote about Jewish organizations. Are there any lessons to be learned from that episode? Any parallels at all that, that you see um, coming out of your research of the 1930s and the 1940s that can be applied to events today? Yeah, well, I think um, self-preservation uh, is one of the most important lessons there is. And when government authorities fail to protect minorities, and it doesn't matter whether it's Jews, Blacks, Brown, whatever a minority is, when the government authorities fail to protect you, it is <clears throat> the obligation of those groups to protect themselves. Um, and what I discovered in Hitler in L.A. when I was finished was, in fact, there was a lot more spying going on, underground spying by Jewish groups than I, anyone had thought. That starting in 1940, uh, <clears throat> the, the Anti-Defamation League, the American Jewish Committee, and a group in New York called the Non-Sectarian Anti-Nazi League were all spying on Nazi and fascist groups around the country. Um, and many of these spies were not Jews, but Christians. Christians who went undercover because they believed that it was un-American for one group of Americans to call for death or harm to another group, and that they felt it was their obligation as citizens to stand up to protect their fellow countrymen against harm. And uh, I think the lesson we have today is, you know, my students ask me all the time, what can I do? What can I do? And I remind them um, I think it was Maimonides, but I'm not sure who said, uh, God says, I never asked you to be like Moses. I only asked you to be the best of yourself. And what I tell them is the easiest thing to do that doesn't put you in harm, that doesn't put you in jeopardy, is come election day, drag at least one or two friends who are not planning to vote to the polls to vote. And right now there's just been all these articles coming out about young people not planning to vote in 2024 because they just feel so disaffected. Well, if they don't vote, they're going to be the victims of that disaffection. Um, the next step, I tell them, is when you hear hate speech, when you hear somebody making an anti-Semitic, anti-Muslim, whatever, any kind of hate speech, say something. Some very calmly say, we don't talk that way in the United States. That's not how Americans talk about other Americans. Now, that could also wind up getting you, you know, putting you in jeopardy, but one would hope that other people standing around you would defend you and say the same thing. We don't talk that way. Um, are you, Professor Ross, are you optimistic, pessimistic, somewhere in between? Um, what, what are your feelings about everything that's happening now? Well, as a historian, I have to feel optimistic that eventually things work out. You know, eventually Hitler was uh, pushed out of power. But till eventually happens can be a long time. And right now, um, I'm just very concerned with the level of hatred that has come out, and particularly with the level of ignorance that has accompanied it. Um, so where is that, that ignorance is coming from? In other words, people are coming at 18 to universities. You know, so some say, well, the universities have gone woke. They've gone, whatever, off the deep end and have their own agenda. But 
they're coming to universities from previous education. So is this a failure of the entire educational system? Well, we're seeing, that, we're seeing that right now that the American education system has become a class-oriented education system. Those who can afford it send their children to private school, and everyone else goes to public school, which, again, depending on where you live, um, I'm in Los Angeles. The elementary schools are terrific. Middle schools, problematic. High schools, uneven. Um and L.A. is one of the better places. You know, it depends what kind of education you're getting. And many of our, uh, you know, we are a country of optimists in general, I think, the United States. And um, nobody, as I said, we like to believe in the David versus Goliath stories. And in this case, I think Israel has unfortunately, uh, in part due to its own incompetence and in part due to a lack of education, uh, is now being seen as the tyrant in the Middle East. Um, I would simply say if drug gangs in Mexico came across the border into Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and did what Hamas did uh, on October 6th, there would be calls to bomb the hell out of uh, northern Mexico. We would, uh, American people would not be sitting on the fence saying, oh, poor, you know, the poor people there. Um, it's a double standard when Jews are involved. Do you think that um, October 7th and, and the events since then are a turning point for American Jewry? And, and if so, how so? Well, it's, it's a turning point in that, you know, I have seen fellow Jews who've been writing, uh, the, you know, chickens have come home to roost. And it is what I've seen is it has split the Jewish community as well. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, yes, as I started by saying, this is a tragedy for both sides, but it was not started by Israel in this case. I mean, one can say, well, are we going to go back to 1948? Are we going to go back to that story again? You know, Israel seizing the land. I would simply say to my American friends, are you going to then turn your home over to the Native American people? Because you are on land that has been stolen from them. There is a point at which we need to move on from that discussion to talk about what do we do today? How do we resolve things today? What can we do to move forward? And part of it is, I, I think, being open about what both sides are doing. And the kind of, again, I think you have to start with a condemnation of Hamas, uh, not just for the terrorism, but their lack of leadership. They make the PA look great. Um, which is a difficult thing to do. And um, the Palestinian people and Hamas are two different entities. And if we're going to do something positive for the Palestinian people, we've got to talk honestly about what do we do with Hamas. And I, I'm sorry, just bombing the hell out of Gaza isn't going to get rid of Hamas. We know that. Again, uh, Thank you very much for uh, for your time. You just touched upon everything. It's good to hear that you're optimistic um, about the future. And uh, again, thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me again, Ari. Okay. Thank you.